0: Okay. The S&P, the stops. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is slowly going down to zero point one percent. That's right. You'll hear more about that in a minute. I'm Scott Phillips, and with me, as always, is Dr. Neaban Mahati. How are you, Doc? I am I'm I'm a bit cold. A bit cold? Oh, like a bit chilly. A bit chilly. I thought a bit cool. well, I thought it's it's spring, but it's not. Cold snap. Snap. We're in New South Wales For those who don't know that And uh, yeah but we had I mean I, we, We're this The Southern Highlands Where I live And we had 23 or 24 The other day Which felt like paradise Maximum 14 today That's going to be Nine degrees on Saturday Where the hell did spring go? I don't know Do you reckon uh, it's uh, Out in sympathy With the economy?
1: Uh, I'm going to just talk to spring and
0: figure it out. <laughs> would you do that for yeah. me? Yeah. If you could do that, that'd be really, really helpful, mate. I'm sure plenty of people would happily take you up on it. Yeah. The good news while we're in weather, though, is they're getting some really good rains in Western New South Wales and South Australia, which is kind of cool. And you mm-hmm. saw the drought broke there, I think, in July. Um, South Australia, some more rural South Australia, regional South Australia, hasn't had rain even during that period, but they actually got some. I saw some some photos on Facebook that uh, in the Flinders and other places that actually got some rain. So at least, as I say, an ill wind. It's an ill wind that doesn't blow some good. Hopefully, uh, well, we're getting cold. Hopefully, they're getting some rain, and that's that's a, hopefully a, a pretty good thing, yeah? Sounds so. good to me. All right, let's get on with the podcast, because speaking of, uh, I don't know, I'll try and make a tangent later and insert it edit over this one. Um, we've got a big, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, and it's a pretty big macro-y kind of day today, I have to say. Um, we're going to start with the RBA and, and Deputy Governor Guy DeBelle's comments that have the entire economic and share market world talking. We'll talk about, despite some concerns about that, Massive ongoing retail growth and the borders are opening. How do we square that circle? I want to do a little bit of a quick rant because I like to do that, mate. About some of the headlines we've seen recently. We'll talk about poor old Westpac. Do you have any sympathy left for Westpac, or are you still?
1: I sympathise with anybody paying a big fine.
0: <laughs> it's a, and and that is a big. You reckon your speeding fines are bad? You wait till you find out how much Westpac's got to pay. We'll talk about the NBN because you basically want to when you're thinking a rant about it, are not you? I love the NBN. <laughs> You love the NBA, or you love ranting about the NBA. They're different oh, things. We'll, we'll, we'll get this. We'll <laughs> I will mention Elon Musk in passing. Hopefully not much longer than that. We'll talk about some IPOs. We'll talk about, well, this is kind of only tangentially related, but it's kind of a funny story and it's worth talking about. The Victor Lawnmower is going robotic. You wait till you get on that one. And if we have some time, we will, of course, dip into the full mailbag. Let's get on with it, mate. Let's do it. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. We always start with a macro doc, or at least almost always, and there's normally some things to talk about. Um, I don't know they get, well, I guess they don't get much bigger, but it's been a busy year. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I can't make that claim, but we saw Guy DeBell come out on Tuesday, I heard him come out and talk about the economy, that the recovery would be uneven and gradual, I think were the two words he used. I think we could pretty much agree with that. He also, though, was pretty clear, at least in most economists' minds. We're recording this on Thursday, the 24th of September. We'll know in a couple of weeks' time whether this is hyperbole or real, but the market took his comments to say Are they gonna, the RBA is going to cut rates yet again from a quarter of 1%, which is the current official cash rate, to 0.1%. <laughs> it doesn't get much lower than that without going negative. At the same time, on exactly the same day, the federal budget apparently, according to reports, is tipped to announce the there's no allowance being made, no forecast being made for extending job keeper or job seeker payments. That, on the same day, mate, seems a bit of a weird juxtaposition. Let's start with interest rates. Guy DeBell saying we'll probably cut rates to 0.1%. Of course, he said nothing of the sort, but he, in, in bureaucraties, in central bank language, dropped enough hints that every economist, including Westpac's Bill Evans, speaking of Westpac, is forecasting that they will go to 0.1%. Your thoughts on that?
1: Um, my thoughts are that cutting rates any further have zero point one percent of a difference. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, I think Touché. it's uh, uh, you know we have Doctor Low uh, <laughs> as uh, our uh, as our governor, <laughs> so therefore our rates are very low. Um, what can I say? I mean, I'm uh, yeah, I've been always skeptical of their um, you know asset price inflation business that yeah. they are into. Um, I think this is this is going to all end badly. When yeah. I don't know, but yeah. yeah, I'm not a fan of their, uh, you know, uh, their process of cutting, which mm-hmm. is, is all more or less is about um, asset price inflation and nothing else. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah, like you know, they'll have a 0.1% impact. Sure, they can cut from that to maybe zero, and then maybe negative. We'll see. I,
0: I completely agree with you, mate. I, I, I really don't. I, I mean look, people aren't paying 0.25, so I don't wanna I don't wanna muddy the two together. Rates are zero point two five. You can get a loan and I'll do a bit of a hashtag get a better rate promo here. Um, you can get a home loan, a fixed loan from the two percent. You can get a variable loan from the two and a half percent. even allowing for that, I don't know who's borrowing at two and a half, who's not borrowing at two and a half, who would borrow at two and a quarter. Now let's let's assume it gets passed on by the banks. Let's assume that the zero point two five becomes zero point one, so that's 0.15 of a percent. Two and a half goes to two point three five, one point nine nine goes to one point eight four. Oh, I I mean, it's not just it's not that simple, but it's also not that much more complex. Businesses who aren't borrowing now, homeowners who or home buyers who aren't borrowing now, who would all of a sudden raid the piggy banks when there's, you know, 1.84 rather than 1.99. I mean, for all sorts of purposes, most people don't know what rate they're paying. In fact, so much, many of us are paying too much back to get a better rate. You could save more by just renegotiating your loan than getting an RBA pass-through rate cut. I just, I, I I mean, I guess more is better than less in the RBA's view, and I guess everything's on the margin. So I guess there are some marginal borrowers who might borrow a little bit more, some business who might start a new project because rates becomes that much more attractive. Maybe there's some sort of capitulation. I don't want to do it. Don't want to, all right, fine, I'll do it. Rates are so low, I guess I can't not do it. I mean, there are some psychological impacts here, but... I just, I really don't get it, mate. I, I, I'm i not expecting you to disagree or even necessarily unless you've got something to add because I just completely agree with your point. I'm, I'm frustrated by the idea that this makes even the slightest bit of difference.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, my view for a long time has been that there's a structural issue that needs to be addressed, mm. right? And the structural issue really is you want to encourage people to take individuals, to mm. take on debt or yep. entrepreneurs to take debt. <laughs> and that debt in turn, then creates new businesses, yeah. and that new businesses then create new jobs, and and basically, you want to create That's that idea, cycle. Right? Yeah, yeah. Instead, it, I think the cycle here is we want people to take on more debt so that there can be more consumer spending. Uh, I think you know there is only so much consumer spending that you can do after which, well. You can't spend, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's right. so what else do you do? What else do you do? And I, I think in in the the current circumstances that we are in, when you know we're restaurants really mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about, I was thinking about Christmas now. Like, I mean, one of the big things that people do during Christmas time is you know there are these office Christmas parties. Well, mm-hmm. there are no offices, mm-hmm. and you can't really host a Christmas party because you've got limitations the number of people, yeah. right? So there's only so much spending you can really do in the current environment, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, you know what? Yeah. So I mean, okay, I'll not fault uh the governor and his deputy because i mean they've you know they've got only one thing that they can do which is like well if I was there I would just abolish the central bank. Yeah. <laughs> altogether. Because, because the only thing they can do is cut rates <laughs> and, and nothing else I mean what you know what else have they do you know say. much left you know much <laughs> not left to do I mean yeah, you are paying right. all these people uh you know millions of dollars for doing basically nothing well I actually actually I'll do for free <laughs> I'll just cut the rate every so often um uh, and just take it oh. to point uh, point 1 so I mean you know I'm, I have a cynical view on this but yeah. I, I think it's not really Um, You know, and here's the thing, right? The big businesses like, say, BHP or Rio, which need to dig the ground, they can already borrow... At record
0: That's low the industry, thing. Like, so what are you going to do? What what project is is unprofitable? Yeah. At let's say let's say they're borrowing at three and a half. I don't know. I don't know what the they're
1: number not borrowing at three and a half. They're borrowing like at less than two percent. Right. Like but Whatever number
0: it is, what I'm saying is zero point one five percent of a difference. Like if you literally, so let's say let's call it two and a half split the difference, right? They borrow at two and a half. They they won't do it at two and a half. But all of a sudden, a project is miraculously profitable at two point three five.
1: Yeah, but it just but makes no sense. It makes no sense, I and mean, at the same time, I think you know for for the big business, mm. what Australia's rates are, have basically zero impact. Like, I mean, these guys are borrowing at international markets at record yeah, yeah, low yeah, yeah, rates, yeah. right? There are all these sovereign funds which are willing mm-hmm. to give them money for basically just keeping
0: money. Yeah, Keep yeah. my money, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> well, negative in the, in the Europe, right? You borrow money out of Europe, you don't have to pay money ever. Yeah,
1: you just don't have to pay anything. So, I mean, I don't know what yeah. it, it solves. And if, yeah, so I think I don't it's, yeah, I don't so, so anyways.
0: Now I have to say, mate, the flip side of this, and there are other issues that are not as binary as I'm gonna present it, but let's just do that for fun. It going to be done on budget day in theory if it happens. It may not happen. Uh, some, some people I have actually heard saying, no, 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 you've, over, you've, over, you've overestimated what DeBell meant. He just meant we will do it if we have to, rather than going to do it on October 6th. But October 6th is also budget day. And at the same day the RBA is saying, we need to stimulate the economy, the government's saying, yeah, we're going to pull back on some of the money we've been pumping into the economy. I still... And I, I, I've, I've praised the government long and hard for a long time except this stupid superannuation retirement wrecker campaign, the early access scheme. Um, I've praised them long and hard for what they've done to get the economy going. But I can't for the life of me understand why you've got two separate parts of policy, effectively regulatory, policy, legal, legislative, call it what you want. You've got the RBA saying, we've got to pump, prime the economy, put my money in. And you've got the government saying, nah, we're going to take some money out. We don't think it's necessary. It, it, it does, I wouldn't say the left-hand doesn't know what the right-hand is doing, but it does feel like they're at cross-purposes at least to some degree when you've got the IBA trying to stimulate at the same time the government is not, not exactly trying to contract the economy, but by definition, taking more money away. If you've got less money today than you had yesterday, it's got to depress spending, it's got to depress everything else they're trying to otherwise encourage. Does that seem strange to you?
1: Um, we, you know, I have a maybe a slightly different variant view. So, I okay. mean, my, my view here is that, well, I think the government did the right things then, Mm-hmm. And I think the right thing now is to reduce or cut uh, support, right? I mean, these things can't be there for essentially general yeah. infinity, yeah. right? Yeah. If it is there till infinity, <laughs> then um, <laughs> right. then it, it's basically another form of uh, yeah. support, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ongoing support. Yeah. Um, so so my view is that I think, you know, you need to have a date. Yeah. And if you had a re- advice what the date is, then that, that date is that date, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, now, I think it goes back to all the same thing. I think it's too focused mm. on current consumption. Yeah. Right? And the two problems in my mind with consumption: either there are no things to consume, mm. right? If you can't go anywhere, you can't eat anything. Yep. Uh, then what are you going to consume? You're going to consume stuff online. Maybe that's what right, you want right, to do. But right. that's not really going to help. Right. You know, that's going to help some other class of you know sellers and buyers, but not the existing yeah, people yeah. that you you know you have on these uh, on these support schemes. Yeah. So that's number one. Now, number two. I mean, I think the bigger problem is that is is that you need to be able to create different types of jobs and yeah. different types of innovation yeah. which whether you continue job seeker or job keeper it's mm. not going to do like basically if you had f- a bunch of people at a travel agency who are going to eventually be laid off either now yeah. or in six months time yeah. actually I'd say what you really need is you need some scheme to train them up to be able to do something else yeah. not to in delay the inevitable because what you're really doing is you're deferring the training that you could offer right, right, um, right, right. You know, so I think those are the uh, so i you know, like I, I think whoever was, you know, if that whatever that analogy was, analogy, mm. I think the prime minister used this, which was, uh, you know, the people in this sort of coma stage, or I don't, know, I don't think he said coma, but it, this, this is like a transition, huh? Hibernation.
0: Hibernation.
1: Yeah, he said hibernation. So, like, basically, if you have, if you can't come out of hibernation now,
0: yeah. You're not
1: going to come out of hibernation because I mean bears don't hibernate forever, right? That, I mean that's fair, the reality. Fair. Yeah, fair. You, you got to eat at some point. You got to wake up and you need yeah, to yeah. hunt, yep, yep, right? Yep. So and the prime minister, I think, is saying, "Well, now the time to go back and hunt. If you can't hunt, well, you have to find something else to hunt."
0: So I would I would completely agree with I completely agree with everything you said, with the exception that if we if we create too much unemployment too quickly and we suck that much activity out of the economy. It, it's the flow on effect, right? It's, it's it's literally the kind of ripples from the middle of the pond that I, I actually agree you want to you want to have those people re, retrained, redeployed, re-employed somewhere somehow. But right now, if you do, say to all those people who are getting JobKeeper, off you go onto the dole queue, you would literally plunge the economy into a, a much deeper recession that probably lasts another six months because they simply don't you know the the, the money they're spending now at the local at the local supermarket, at the, local at the local hairdresser, at the local whatever online. Goes away because I simply don't have the money to spend. Like the the, the 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 kind of broad economic impact of that is something we just can't withstand. The economy doesn't can't withstand that without having a longer or deeper or a second double dip recession potentially. Um, you want to be able to taper that at the rate at which the economy can deal with it. It's almost like taking a, taking a patient off drugs right, or an addict off of drugs through you know going you going cold turkey is one option, but if you take patients off some drugs too quickly, cold is going to kill them. There is, there, is a, there is a path to that, which isn't just, well, you haven't got better yet. Yeah, you have to try it yourself and see how you go. And I think that's the only thing, I, not because those people, or those jobs are deserving of, of support in and of themselves, just because the broader impact, the second order impact could be potentially very, very, very bad if we don't have a, a backstop for the economy.
1: Yeah, no, but you know, there's a counter. So I, mean, I don't want to sound like the guy who is, uh, um, you know, trying to take away people's money. But here's oh, the yeah, other. there's yeah. the other side of, the, yeah. of it, right? If those jobs have not come back, mm. they're not going to come back. Mm. So I know. You, so course. so you do, you don't want to do it now. Yeah. You don't want to do it in three months because you'll still have the same problem. The same sectors are going to be continue to be affected. Yes. Right? If they, but if, but if the rest of
0: the economy is growing by then, those people can be more easily. How's absorbed? the economy going
1: to grow? The economy is not going to grow because well, because those no-
0: people are still spending relative to what others might be doing right. Yeah, so but, if you're paying, let's let's say it's hundred thousand people and they're getting job keeper or job seeker or something, that's that's putting money into the economy. If you take those people, add them to the unemployment queues, their income falls by two thirds, they stop spending somewhere. Like it's it's not those people or those jobs or even those companies. It's the you know the multiplier effect through the economy. We know it's all about confidence and the multiplier effect. If they stop spending then the local retailer doesn't get the money, so they can't employ someone to go and spend money at the bunnings and they can't spend someone, to that person's not going to go and spend money at the hairdresser. It's it's that flow-on effect I'm worried about, not those particular jobs in those industries yeah. themselves. I,
1: I mean, I, my point is that you, we can make keep making the same argument. The, 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 this is, I think, the classic case of, in my mind, of basically deferring, making those hard choices. I, I think that the, the choice really is... To you know, use the opportunity now to make some fundamental changes to how you run your economy. Yep. Um, you know, create new jobs, create new opportunities instead of basically mm. doing the same. Mm. Right? Every time you can't be doing the same thing. Oh, well, you know, I'm just going mm. to defer, 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 defer. Yeah. Uh, push, 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 push back. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's no yeah. probably right answer here.
0: Yeah. Um, no, there's definitely not. That, that's that. Maybe that's <laughs> the that, that's it. We're all. I mean, this is this is such an un, uh, you know unprecedented story. I just feel like we've spent so much money to. You know, you know what would Be the for me the worst part would be. It's one thing to say let's not spend any money and, and 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 see how we go. Having spent 100 billion plus, if we if we come up you know six inches short, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, because we don't go that extra mile, you know we've we've wasted 100 billion by not spending 110 or whatever the numbers end up being. That to me would be the ultimate tragedy. Right? Is not not that you're even wrong, but just that if, if we were to, if we were to fall at the last hurdle, we would have been better not spending anything at all. And actually, going through a deeper recession in the first place and coming out of it quickly or more quickly rather than prolonging this kind of substandard economic, you know, malaise um, and wasting $100 billion taxpayers' money and probably intergenerational debt in the process.
1: Oh, I don't know. Like, I mean, here's the thing, right? We don't know what would be the case if they had spent $50 billion. We don't know what the case would be if this, No, of course. You know, it's, of course. It's, 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 so it's all like, in you know, it's all counterfactual Of here. course. Yeah. Like, what is, was spent or 50 was spent? Like, look, yeah. no, you're right. Uh, like, you're right. Uh, like, uh, like it, it, there's no I mean there is no way to know yeah. whether 100 billion is the right amount yeah. 150 billion is the right amount yeah. yep. and 50 billion is the right amount we could therefore make an argument that you just the government just continue spending yeah, and totally. you know and continue spending to provide for those things that are yeah. not actually generating any income or generating you know basically, basically it's like a support system right and, and then totally. may, maybe you know maybe the right solution then is just give everybody some money I mean if that's what you want to do yeah. right yeah. so I, I don't know like I mean in my, in my mind if you had, I think in my mind, a scheme works as follows, right? If you yeah. said, I'm going to give money for six months, yeah, then you give money for six months because you did not promise that you're going to yeah. give money beyond six months, right? And therefore, in people's mind, there should have been a process in right. which you, alpha, isn't it? you know, how do you deal with it post yeah. six months, yeah. right? Now, if the expect that's number one. I think there's a, there's also, I mean, the economists really don't help here, right? I mean, the economists love to talk about certain numbers. Um, <laughs>
0: Surely not. So, like, I mean, <laughs> here's the
1: thing: unemployment is seven percent. No, it's yeah, not seven yeah, yeah. percent. Unemployment is like fourteen yeah, yeah, percent. Tell right. me the real unemployment number.
0: It's not <laughs> yeah, anybody right. who's
1: getting job cheaper <laughs> and is right. not doing a real job. That's right. Well, that is basically unemployment. Yeah. Since so yeah. you know, we could have assumed that unemployment. See, it's it's like all of those things that you want to desire, like oh, our unemployment is seven percent. or that country's unemployment is twelve percent. Yeah. Well, that country is counting the right unemployment. <laughs> you are counting the fake unemployment. Correct, well, of correct. course, your unemployment numbers are going to go up yeah, yeah, because yeah. you were counting the unemployed as employed. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's so right. it's it's all of those things. <laughs> like you know, like a little bit of there's a little bit of you know uh, drama uh, yeah, involved. And yeah. you know, I have not heard one economist
0: Mm-mm. tweet our yeah. real
1: unemployment is X. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody knows what we the. Can't real know. Un-
0: that's right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. But how does every other country know what the real unemployment rate is? Yeah, well, maybe, right. they, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's all of these things. Oh, you know, our unemployment rate is this because, hey, yeah. we are too smart. Well, <laughs> like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> like, so tell me the real deal. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So it's, yeah. it's all of this, you know. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, My no, view hear, is it's like the 0.1%. <laughs> like, well, it was 2%. Now it's like 0.25%. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. if
1: stuff didn't work at 2%, it's not going to work at 025 percent.
0: Yeah, it's hard, and it? I, I, I think, I, look, I, I, I think you're exactly right, uh, or at least I, I understand the, the point you're making. I still think I would be disinclined if the RBA thinks the economy needs more. It, it's hard to say. It's right for the government to pull money while the RBA is putting money in. Like at some point, they've got to start talking to each other one way or the other, right? <laughs> like either, either you, are you agree together? Hey, here's what needs to be done. You do it. I'll not do it, or I'll do it. You don't do it, or something. When they're literally acting in the opposite directions, that's the problem I have, right? Like if the economy is that much of a funk. That the RBA needs to cut, then the government needs to do something, and maybe it's not a job it creation, something else, but they're literally you know, their, their their policies will be contractionary by definition. Even if the money's not justified in the current form, as you say, even if there's a better place for the money, for the government to be pulling money out of the economy while the RBA is trying to pump money in, it's just it's just madness, right? It's driving one foot in the accelerator, one foot in the brake. It just it makes absolutely no sense to me.
1: I fixed that problem by saying let's just get rid of the RBA. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just you fixed did. that
1: problem. I said, you know, I'll do the job for free. Oh. It's basically every soft often you're just going to cut rates. How <laughs> hard is it? Well, what do you do now?
0: 0.1? Even You wouldn't have it. job
1: Well, just, just keep it at zero point, You know, 0.25 forever. <laughs> it's going to be at 0.25 forever. It's very simple. I will take, I promise, I'll take no money for doing that. I'm, I'm sure this will save, at the bare minimum, you know, $20, $30 million. There you just go. Fools, you heard, you heard don't, it here
0: first, mate. Don't need the the bank of Doc. I like that. Yeah. The Bank of doc. mate. Um, so speaking of which, I think that's the other the other thing that, that, um, that Debell did kind of mention is, as per the U.S. Fed last week, he's basically like, look rates are low for three years or you know the foreseeable future. I can't remember the exact term of years, but effectively lining up exactly with the U.S. Fed. It may not be exactly forever, as you say, but uh, the IBA board meeting is not going to be very controversial for the next couple of years. Put it that way. All right, shall we move on?
1: Yeah, I can take that job too. That's also very
0: easy. <laughs> now mate, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a very quick rant. Um, I just want to I just want to share an observation I made this morning on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, and you should, um, you'll be following me at tmf scott p. If you're following Doc, you should be following him at anirban mahanti. And the Motley Fool's account is at the Motley Fool AU. Uh, that's where you can throw some questions and comments to us. By the way, to be answered on our mailbags. So do that as well. But I um <laughs> I just I just it, it just struck me this morning. So again, recording this Thursday morning, uh, and I made the observation that two days ago. The headlines were, uh, ASR, the, sorry, the headlines were um, uh, ASX having longest losing streak since April. The market had fallen four days in a row. Then yesterday the headline was shares oh, were up two percent. ASX has best day in nine weeks. And then this morning the headline was ASX set to fall on fresh economic concerns. And those are probably, maybe, maybe possibly, probably even real or at least you know reasonable expectations, reasonable, reasonable explanations. Of what's going on in the market. Let's assume they're even real. What the hell is anybody doing listening to the market, trying to work out how to invest? I mean, really seriously, if you're if you're investing money and you're watching these headlines, I, I I mean, it's no wonder people just freak out and don't do this stuff, right? I get it. I get how you must feel reading this stuff and taking it seriously. So my general general plea, my my hope, my my effort, my energy goes into saying, hey, please just. The headlines are probably right. They probably actually do, do accurately reflect what the market is thinking or doing as a whole. But if that's true, why are you listening to people who are like that? Not, not the news. I'm, I'm not saying don't watch the news. I'm just saying, you know, if, if there are people in the market who are literally changing their minds every six trading hours as to biggest drop, biggest gain, you know, set to fall on bad economic news, the coronavirus, the, the, the vaccine stuff. How many, how many moves do you reckon we've seen on vaccine news? They've got to be a dozen in the last two months. Vaccine hopes, vaccine hopes dashed. Vaccine hopes, vaccine hopes, vaccine hopes dashed, and the mic goes up and down and up and down. I, I just, I don't, I don't know how you could possibly try and take that in and actually remain a sane person. It just, it's got to mess with your head.
1: Well, you know, I'm reading the the, the headline right now says ASX to dive. You know what I was thinking? What's that? That Adam Gilchrist is going to dive and take a catch. <laughs>
0: there you uh, go. You know, I don't know what ball Tim, Tim ASX these is, days, mate. Too pain these days. Come on. Know,
1: I'm. I'm I'm in, I'm, 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 I'm in the Gilchristian.
0: I'm so, um, in <laughs> the Gilchristian. Two good men, by the way. We have some good keepers in Australia. who famous used to walk when he was out. I have massive respect. Have you seen the documentary The Test, the Amazon doco? I have not. It's now on Foxtel, spectacularly good. Bit of language warning for those who are, uh, are, sensitive, are sensitive ears. Tim Payne comes across as exactly the sort of bloke you want leading your national cricket team. To the extent we want the cricket team to represent the best of us, he just comes across as a really, really, really good bloke. And I'm... Can't couldn't be happier that he's captaining the team. How's that for a tangent? That's a very good tangent. Anyway, back to your point about Gilchrist diving.
1: Well, my point is that the, is ASX playing cricket or what? Like, I mean, you know, is it, what type of feeling it's doing? It's just
0: diving constantly. By the way, if you're on a diving board and you you, you fell two percent, yeah, you wouldn't get very far into the pool. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> if if a dive is a two percent fall, that doesn't yeah. that doesn't help you much, does it? It's
1: not helping yourself. Well, currently, that's that's what it says. ASX to dive in Westpac. you know, what, to go. it probably
0: will, and it'll probably be up tomorrow or next week, and. It mean absolutely nothing. You think about. I mean, it's, here's the question for for our. I mean, we all remember March, right? If you're listening to this podcast right now, tell me what headlines there were in July. Can you think of a single headline for July? Oh, it must have been Dave. At or some point, maybe you're not. Yeah, like you know that the, the fact that you know, you know if you think of, like right now, it feels really serious. If you go back to July and say, "Should I listen to those headlines then?" No, of course you shouldn't have. Bloody silly idea. But and again, the headline, they, they, I mean, they are they are commenting on what's actually happening. It's not so much the headline, right? It's the fact that the market is actually act, acting this way like a bloody, you know, five-year-old with too much red cordial. Like, it's just it's just madness. But
1: uh, well, I'll give, uh, uh, you know, writers, I haven't seen yet, In, mm. you know, maybe I'm not, you know, maybe have, my mind has t- tuned it out. <laughs> I haven't seen $100 billion wiped off the ASX yet <laughs> in, in the last come,
0: few days. Uh, no, the no, last few days. No, you're right, Yeah, actually. so th-
1: that is like a… Maybe today? I don't know like I mean that like I haven't seen that 100 billion dollars wiped off, wiped off 200 billion dollars wiped off you know that never that, gets
0: wiped on by you know
1: way. that almost seems like you know what are we wiping you know like is it like the baby face <laughs> that we are wiping off I don't know what you're doing but like uh, it's, I haven't seen that so I'm waiting for that one
0: I don't, um, don't have a campaign against metaphors I'm, I'm hearing it now you don't no, like dive that, you don't like wiped off
1: I don't know I'm saying the wiped <laughs> off hasn't shown up uh, um,
0: so yeah well keep our, keep our eyes peeled mate um Poor old Westpac. Speaking of wiped off, it hasn't. It's not a hundred billion, but it's. You told me this morning one point three billion.
1: No, that sounds like a wipe off. Oh.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's real value, right? Shares will go back up again. Austrac is not giving you that money back. <laughs> once it's gone, that is completely gone. Wow, that's that's real money.
1: One point three billion taken dollars from uh, Westpac.
0: How much do you reckon they were trying? to... Well, uh, we should be a little bit careful because I don't. Wanna, I don't get ourselves in legal trouble. But how much money do you reckon a board is going to try and save? And have it cost us $1.3 billion. Let's not put that new computer upgrade in because it might cost a hundred grand. Let's not do that. Let's not add, hire those new staff that are gonna cost us half a million dollars a year. Let's not go through that process at the board, which might waste some time. $1.3 billion could have paid for a lot of, I mean, imagine the sort of AUSTRAC compliant business you could create with $1.3 billion. It, it's an expensive shortcut. They absolutely got whacked for. And I've got to say, Again, I mean, no malice or or malintent towards Westpac, but man, you deserve that stuff. Like, you know, you've got very few jobs as a bank, very few kind of really core key things to do, right? And knowing your customer, knowing where the cash is coming from and going to, whether, whether, you know, I mean, if you're a libertarian, you might say, well, the bank shouldn't have to care. And I guess you can have that view if you want, not you personally, but anyone. Um, But the reality is you're working in a jurisdiction where the government says you must know these things to not have them, to not have listened to people who said, Hey, we don't have that information. It just boggles the mind, doesn't it? Like, and, and frankly, 1.3 feels a bit harsh, I've got to say. But I also don't have a lot of sympathy for a business that, like, this is literally their core tenants. Literally, what they do you know, is, is transfer money between parties. $1.3 billion, hopefully, it's a wake up call.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, I'd say that, you know, like, I mean, as you said, it's not something that they did it deliberately yes, I think exactly. it's it's a, this sort of stuff happens in organizations big organizations right because yeah. there are so many moving parts to to compliance yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, if you've got old systems different yeah. people responsible for different things it is yeah. it's it is one of those things that can slip yeah, through the cracks. Yeah. You know, And unfortunately, it slipped through the cracks and they got caught. And in this, or, or at least, you know, um, Ostrak is saying that, you know, there, there is reason to believe that you should pay a fine. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's like, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty expensive expensive thing when, it, you, know, when you have to cough that kind of fine. So, it's yeah.
0: Phenomenal, isn't it? Have you been listening to the most recent ones, by the way? No. So... I was listening to a podcast, a background briefing podcast by the ABC uh, on the weekend, and there's a new scandal. Cost HSBC four or five percent of its share price on Monday. Just gone. Um, apparently, there were more suspicious transactions mm. for money laundering. They're actually flagged this time globally. <laughs> um, they're called SARS, believe it or not, suspicious activity reports. Which, given the given the given the COVID and kind of SARS virus, uh, you know, God love them, but they come up with a better name, surely. Anyway, at least rename it now. Um, Apparently, there's a whole lot of these things that were actually written. Suspicious activity between, you know, effectively, organised crime laundering money through bank accounts. That through a couple of big leaks, um, investigated by a whole lot of whole consortium of internal international j- uh, journalists. I'll spit that out. Consortium of international journalists. Um, yeah, apparently, there's like billions and hundreds of billions of dollars that have been transacted around the world with these activity reports that banks, in theory, should have a written and b acted on, and they haven't apparently it includes a couple of our banks plus some international banks like JP Morgan, HSBC, and plenty of others as well. So this may not be the last time we hear from OzTrack is all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I think i's, I read somewhere. There's, there's um, this Bank of America, I think. There's a few American banks, a few European banks, yep, yep, a, yep. a few banks out of Hong Kong, yep. uh, some out of Australia. You know, Yeah, it looks like pretty much every bank that you can name is... is yeah. Yeah.
0: So there might be some more fines being paid. The federal government budget might be subsidised by, uh, by bank fines for a little bit. Does Austrack pay tax? No, it's a government body, so it doesn't pay any tax. It just collects That's it and passes it to consolidated revenue. So if the whole thing is a tax? The whole thing. Exactly. That right. <laughs> That's literally what it is. Yes, the fine, <laughs> the fine is by definition a tax. I mean, I guess they've got costs, right? So it probably goes to pay the agency's budget for a little while, but 1300000000 point three billion that'll cover the billion, that'll cover the cost for a bit. You mm-hmm. should be able to afford toilet paper and, uh, and, and coffee for the tea room.
1: Sounds like an idea.
0: Motley <laughs> Fool Money. <laughs>
1: Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M.
0: So you had a rant about uh, about the budget. I had a rant about headlines. You had a rant about Westpac. You get to go again.
1: I love the NBN. Because you, well,
0: <laughs> you, 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 you ran through the NBN before you recorded and you put it on the agenda. I thought, oh, here we go. So, so let's, 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 assume, let's assume that you have a, a view on this topic. The NBN, there's two things going on. The first is that it's going to spend apparently $3.5 billion to put Fiverr to the home for everybody, finally, after Labor promising it then the uh, coalition cancelling it because it costs too much. They're now apparently announcing plans to do it. And separately, or maybe not so separately, the NBN now is apparently worth $100 billion. Now, I'm going to say that if you're trying to sell an asset like the NBN, there was somewhat, if not ridiculed, at least probably not exactly valued, yeah, not not spoken on the highest possible terms. If you had to fix this reputation, you might possibly announce a plan to do fibre to the home, so that you could see yourself a world class NBN, and then you could possibly put yourself on the on the choppy block. Is that too cynical?
1: That doesn't sound too cynical. That sounds like exactly what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I mean, you know, i am I'm, I'm, I'm a big NBN cynic. Uh, I, I mean, here's the thing. So there was a, a proposed network yes which was supposed to be you know uh, high speed to home uh, in a world class yes that was then deemed to be too expensive <clears throat> well now apparently something has miraculously changed and it's only now 10% more expensive to be that network it's a little strange. It, that sounds a little strange to now, me. Now, if
0: I was generous, I might say, "Well, maybe the cost of technology have fallen, or you know, these things go down in price over time." I guess maybe it's cheaper now than it would have been back then. But that feels even to me. I'm an optimist. I'm a nice bloke. I try and be generous. I try and be a little bit, a little bit, you know, try try and see things from both sides. Even I've got a stretch to get to that point.
1: Well, the, here's the thing, right? You know, you employed a bunch of, you, you know, you you buy a bunch of fiber. Yep. You employ a bunch of people to put the fiber in. Yep. It would appear to me in my mind. That if you did the whole thing at one go, you on average on a per foot of fiber or whatever, you're a know, per meter of fiber, yep. gonna cost you less than actually redoing, m- digging trenches again. I get it. Lots of people are gonna be employed because you're gonna <laughs> dig trenches, buy stuff, and put them together. That's is, all good.
0: It is, it is kind of the it is kind of the epitome of digging a hole and filling it back in again to create jobs. You're literally well, digging a hole and filling it back in yeah,
1: again. Yeah, like I mean, you know, but I mean, you could have dug that hole. That's true. Using the same machine at that time you
0: got kind of close then stopped and then you stopped
1: so <laughs> i'm very cynical about the cost structure here and and oh. the pro- uh, of course i'll take it because you know my internet absolutely is abysmal yeah uh i only get like 10 12 megabits per second download yep. at peak yep. time which is like <laughs> it's basically like being on dial ups plus plus yeah, yeah. i'm i'm, uh, I'm exaggerating <laughs> but it is like it's not really it's, it's, not it's miles like miles away it's like basically like adsl say, technology. exactly yeah um yeah. Uh, which for is what, what we had before dollars. that so I mean I don't know why we got rid of ADSL <laughs> we was just stuck with ADSL so um, I'm skeptical on this oh, one on, on that front um, <laughs> yeah so another 100 val- billion I don't know if one fiber company uh. that has that kind of valuation <laughs> uh, for a country of our size well, you're not know, be generous if it's like a few billion dollars of <laughs> valuation. You know how much is Telstra? Telstra's market cap is what, like thirty, forty billion dollars? If, on the top of my head, maybe forty. Oh,
0: probably, yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, I mean, so we are saying that this this company is going to be, you know, a two and a half x of uh, of Telstra. I think that sounds over ambitious. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> I mean, because you got some pricing power. right? If you're the monopoly provider, maybe you can charge kind of whatever you want.
1: Uh, well I mean there's a, there's a price at, uh, there's a uh, there's a price point at which people say well, thank you I'm just gonna walk uh, you know and not have an internet anymore at home I'm just gonna use my <laughs> mobile device yeah right, um, right. but you know you can't charge anything for it right and, yeah, yeah. and so I don't know I'll give it a valuation of 10 billion
0: 10 billion all right so you're gonna buy it cents on the dollar yeah
1: <laughs> that's what it's really worth <laughs> like, right?
0: I uh, yes I I have a feeling it's gonna be uh, uh, there's gonna be a sale announced very soon. Is yeah. my is my speculation? We'll say, I think that might be going to be fun. I don't have come in the gu- it Might come in the budget. How's that for a how's that for a uh, a big bold prediction? We should do budget predictions. I, I am predicting. I'm not ready. Hundred no, billion I, I'm, dollar NBN I'm wildly speculating. They might just on the back of this announce a sale sometime soon. How's that for a, how's that for blatant Besides, speculation? Uh,
1: uh, you know, <laughs> I would say that hundred billion dollars is not going to materialize. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mates, I'm, I'm. gonna. I'm just gonna quickly. It's a bit of a ranty podcast this this week. I don't know. Like, I'm. Just, I, I, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna rant in a good way. Now, you and I have had plenty of conversations about Tesla, and I think our listeners might be surprised to know you own Tesla and I don't. That might be a surprise to some. If it is a surprise to you, congratulations and welcome to your very first podcast. Because you would know by now that Doc owns it and I don't. Um, I was really impressed this week with Elon Musk. And I don't say that very often. Um, he's a super genius. I think he's done some wonderful things. He's also said some terrible things. And and sometimes I worry about his um, what's the right word? I don't I don't I worry about his him in charge of a public company sometimes because he's can be a little bit little bit volatile. That being said, shares in Tesla sold off twelve percent in a single day this week after the company's Battery Day, where the company announced it was going to go into a brand new innovative technology or trying to come up with one. Uh, that would revolutionize both the volume and the power from batteries. It was going to probably take three years. And by the way, we're going to make cars a, heaps cheap, a heap cheaper and a whole lot of people are going to be able to afford them. Now, to me, that sounds like a pretty bloody good thing. And yet shares fell 12%. And I tweeted, I think it was yesterday, that for all the reasons there are to sell Tesla or to own Tesla, if you're selling shares on the back of that specific news, you really never should have held the shares in the first place. If you have whatever 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 rationale you have for owning Tesla shares, whatever that might be, if you then sold them on the back of an announcement that batteries were going to get better and cheaper, the cars were going to get cheaper, and the company has a three-year roadmap for revolutionising battery technology, if that's your basis for selling, I really, really can't help you. You're entirely your own view. Do what you do, it if you want. I don't own Tesla shares, as I said. No, I've never been. I'm not a. I'm not. A, I'm not a lover of Elon Musk, generally speaking, as a, as a whole person. He's done some wonderful things and some questionable things, but I've got to give him credit where it's due. This was a very sensible, solid, thoughtful announcement laid out the company's plans. He couldn't have been clearer about what the company's trying to do, the fact it wasn't there yet, the fact it was trying to come up with a plan. There's lots going on there and and I get it. But I got to say, I, I was like, you know what? Good on him. He's, he's done what I think is the right thing to do. He's been honest, open, reasonably conservative, reasonably balanced, level-headed, don't have all the answers, working towards something. I so thought it was a really mature thing to do. And I got to say, if people want to sell for that reason, honestly, don't own the shares. Like just... I don't, I don't even know what you expected from the company. If you're buying just because you hope for announcements to go up, well, you kind of deserve the loss, right? Like if, if you literally your entire thesis is, well, they might announce something, maybe it might be awesome, maybe the shares might go up, so I'll buy some shares. Um, that's, I mean, you might as well put your money on black at the casino. Anyway, a little bit of a mini rant. Um, bottom line, don't buy shares for silly reasons. Buy shares because you like the long-term outlook of the company and you think the shares will represent attractive value. If that was Tesla two days ago, it's still Tesla today. The 12% fall makes absolutely no sense. Anyway, that's my little rant. Let's move on. Doc, I want to talk about IPOs. Um, Interesting. I mean, these are very different companies, right? I don't want to to necessarily compare the companies. It's worth mentioning, though. So we talked about Snowflake last week. Um, This is a new data data company whose job it is to um, basically provide, and I'll do this badly, Doc, but effectively an interface to a whole lot of different platforms or potential platforms, a platform of platforms almost. It's above things like um, different cloud offerings to allow people to um, to utilize a multi-cloud approach uh, for their data. That did spectacularly well on IPO, just phenomenally well. Then we had the Australian lender Plenty, P-L-E-N-T-I, the shares fell 22% on the IPO. And I don't really know if you have a particular view on Plenty. We talked, certainly talked about Snowflake last week. Um, but I just want, I wanted to mention for a couple of reasons. The first was just that sometimes there are people who say, oh, "I want to get on the next IPO because it might go up, and it might like, like, like Snowflake." Well, you know what? You might lose a quarter of your money, like on Plenty. And I just—I just want people to remember that you know IPOs are not get-rich-quick schemes for anybody. Sometimes you might make money. Sometimes you might lose money overall who knows and it just you know if, you, if you're betting on a day one share price movement you literally are a bit like uh, a bit like you know um, Tesla shares you are literally gambling on if you're waiting for one day changes right if you invest in the long term great if you think snowflakes a wonderful business and we're much bigger and better in five years time buy the shares if you think plenty is the same buy the shares don't expect one day movements that are going to make you rich They just sometimes they happen and, and that's the that's the carrot right that's the that's the drug people get on I want some of that I want some of that the people who jumped on the Plenty IPO got a rude shock.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't have a view. Like, I mean, I mean, it's true. Uh, you can't buy. You can't really know what the shares are going to do on any given particular day. I think that's the main point. And you can't buy on that basis. I think the basis of buying could be at an IPO. The only basis for buying would be you. You think that the shares are going to be worth a lot more um, in five years, ten yep. years time, yep. and you have a definitive price that which you can buy so if you could buy plenty at an x dollar price yep. you had an ability to participate in the ipo price at the yep. ipo price and you thought it was the right price then it's okay i mean same thing with with you know if you want uh, with snowflake you had a price in mind yep. i mean the, the the main issue might be that once the the stock starts trading mm-hmm. you don't know what the price is going to trade it's at, right? right. so it's right. you need to have a price in mind yeah. you know everything has a price yeah. so yeah, I think that's that's right. I mean, and you can't just be in it just because you know ev- not every IPO goes up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the fact, right? Yes, yeah, lots of IPOs that go down.
0: Yep, spot on. I think that's right. And I think you know, I, by the way, day one doesn't matter. Like I'm not saying plenty is a bad investment because it went down, or even the Snowflake's a great investment because it went up. But the long term is going to tell the story. I'm not saying don't buy shares at IPO. I think there are. I risk some reasons not to from time to time. Like you don't have a lot of public public market history. And we've certainly seen plenty of companies that have done. I mean, Maya famously never ever hit its IPO price ever. <laughs> and frankly, at 20-something cents is very, very unlikely to uh, from here. You know, there's those things that happen. So you you know, you can you can absolutely lose money, keep keep losing money. You can lose money, then make money. There are IPOs that have crashed and come back. Facebook, good example, did terribly post IPO and now is doing fantastically. Um, other companies that went up and kept going up, other companies went up, you know, came down. So there, there are plenty of examples of all of that. Don't expect IPOs to only go in one direction and don't fall for the hype of, just because it's IPO and you have to have a view or you have to own the shares. Mate, I want to finish with just a, a fun story. And this is, this is kind of in your wheelhouse a little bit innovation wise. Um, I thought it was just a, an interesting I it was an interesting analogy, right, for the way we think about technology, and about companies. So I want to I tell you a story and I want you to just get your thoughts on it. Victor Lawnmowers. Now, for those who those who may or may not know this, Victor Lawnmowers, V-I-C-T-A, it was named after its founder, Victor. I think it was Victor Richardson from memory. I think he was the Chapel Brothers, speaking of cricketers, uncle who invented the Victor Lawnmower. Now, maybe I've conflated those two stories. If I have, please don't bombard me with social media grief, but I believe that's true. In any case, it was the you know it was was Victor lawnmower, was Hills hoist in the backyard, a four and twenty pie, a Holden. I had none of those anymore, I suppose. Um, Holden gone by the wayside. Victor trying to kind of grasp the future, maybe keep up with the future, maybe invent the future. It's innovating by releasing, about to release a robotic lawnmower. Now, if you haven't seen those things, now, Doc, you walked into my place this morning. I had the robotic vacuum cleaner going. Um, my place is not exactly suitable for a robotic lawnmower. I think you'd agree, mate. There's too many hills and rocks and trees, and it would just be an absolute debacle. You need a nice flat square lawn to make it work. But the whole robotic lawnmower thing is is taking off, and Victor getting in on it. You know the the kind of the, the, the old school push mower that you know used to break down need a kick and, and refuel every now and again. Now going completely high tech, new world. I just—I guess I wanted to use it as a step-off point, mate, for thinking about innovation and and the whole concept of innovate or die. You know, you've you, you kind of partly jokingly, but also with a serious intent, talking about companies being dead if they're not growing at at, at fast rates. And I'll—I'll I, I'll paraphrase part of your reason for calling them dead is that you know the, the the future is being invented and people are moving towards the future so quickly that while they might not be dead now, if you're only growing at two percent, the rest of the world is growing at ten, you become irrelevant really, really, really fast. Now. I have no view on Victor. I have no view on its robotic lawnmower. I'm sure it's fine. Um, I'd be inclined to test it out, I suppose, if I had a lawn that was, was, was suitable for it, depending on the price. But it's kind of one of those things where, you know, I imagine our kids will finally remember a time when their dad used to push a lawnmower around the, around the yard, right? Like the innovation is moving in such a way. I had to explain... Rotary telephone to my young bloke about a year or so ago, and I vividly remember trying to explain the you, know, you pick up the handset, you ring the numbers, you can't walk away with it. It's all there. You can't see the person you're talking to. You know we, what we take for granted is is very different to I guess what the future might look like. Um, innovation. On the flip side, I guess there's other companies that have been around for you know years where people are predicting their deaths. I mean, Harvey Norman's one, Flight Centre probably the other that was supposed to be dying as a result of of the internet. That's still you know 25 years later, COVID notwithstanding. But let's go back to January. Both businesses are doing completely fine. Flights are doing pretty well Harvey Norman kind of floating along. How do you how do you think about innovation, mate, in the context of, on one hand, we want to own the innovators and, and you do worry about the other companies dying. On the other hand, Flights has been a perfectly good investment since the GFC, for example, um, even though everyone was supposed to be going online and e-commerce was supposed to be the thing. Is it a binary outcome? Are there only winners and losers? How do you think about kind of trying to put that all together? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so this, you know, my my favorite thing with the with the share market, stock market, really is, there are many ways to win, right? Mm. So you don't have to have one particular formula, uh, one particular method, one particular approach to win. Um, so uh, I mean, the GFC. So you use GFC as an example. Mm. Yes, Flight Center shares have done well from the GFC Mm -hmm. bottom, Mm -hmm. but there are probably a thousand other companies that have done a thousand (laughs) times better than Flight Center. So sure that's true too. Right. So <laughs> yeah. so I mean, yes, Flight Center was good.
0: I'm not saying people should visit Flight Center by the way. I'm not, no, no, not, I'm just using as exa- this. Yeah, I'm okay. just using it
1: yeah. as an example. Yep. So like I mean there's always so I mean, yes, a company like Flight Center which was going to go out of business or become less relevant was a good return mm. from a certain price. Mm. At the same time, I think an innovative company mm. at that bottom probably would have been an even better return so my own preference always is if i have to choose i i would pay up to buy a high quality business yeah and even if when stuff is down i still have a high preference for high quality business right um and and i i i i genuinely never want to bet um on a company that is on the wrong side of innovation
0: Right, Right. right, right
1: so i would not like I mean, I'm, and it's not binary in the sense that I'm not trying to say that Flight Centre is not innovating. What I'm basically trying to say is, if I had to buy a travel company at the depths of the GFC, I would buy something like Booking.com versus buying Flight Centre. Yeah. Just because I think that's on the right side of the innovation, on on the on the innovation scale, as an example. So, so that's how I look look at it. And I mean, you know, stuff doesn't die overnight, right? I mean, stuff. And when I said diet, it basically means it's just slow yeah, growth, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, anemic growth, revenues not mm-hmm. growing. It's it's that old model that takes a long time to sort of peter out. So, right, right. so that that's my view. Um, I, at the same time, I absolutely understand that you mm. know you can always make money uh, if stocks are mispriced, right? And mm. if Flight Center is mispriced and you you believe in that, well, that's what you should buy.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. It's um. Yeah, I, I this I, I gotta say, you know, I struggle with this a little bit because there's, there's there's plenty of value traps in the hey not dead yet market. There's also plenty of potential risk in the hey this thing's going up. Keep up with the Joneses, buy these shares. You know, let, let's go and chase the ch- chase the next winner. I say that, doc, by way of suggesting next week, you really want to listen in because next week's Friday podcast we are going to devote solely to some great investing mistakes we're going to talk about some mistakes that we've made some mistakes we've seen from others and how you can avoid them the reason of course i'm going to be on a holiday so i'm not going to be here so we're going to pre-record this one but i'm really looking forward to that conversation we've got about was it seven or eight i think doc um different mistakes that we've made that we've seen people make that we worry about people making if you want to make sure you can avoid some mistakes and by the way The reverse of a mistake is usually a way to make some money and actually have some success. So understanding mistakes not only will hopefully save you from losing, but also might put you on the right track for making some money. So make sure you tune in next Friday when the podcast goes live about 4.30 Sydney time, give or take, and we will talk about some great investing mistakes. Mate, before we go, we've got time for one mailbag question. You ready for it? I'm ready for it. Let's do it. This is interesting. Hi, Scott and Doc. I'm a long. This is from Percy. I'm a long-time podcast listener and Motley Fool subscriber. Thank you, Percy. I would love your opinion on AGL. Speaking of businesses that maybe aren't necessarily future businesses, shares at a multi-year low. They announced that 100 percent of profit will be paid out in dividends for the next two years. Full on, Percy. Now, AGL, most people will know, is the old Australian gas light company, which gives a sense of how long it's been around and what it's done as a business for a very, very long time. No surprise to anybody that it's an energy generator and distributor. So those are all known entities. It's desperately trying, at least in theory, if you believe what they're saying, maybe it's greenwashing, maybe it's legit, to get into renewable energy. They're doing solar, though. they famously closed down the little power plant, much too. Uh, Matt Canavan and Josh Frydenberg and Scott Morris's displeasure. Uh, they want more coal-fired power plants hanging around, and they're going to close it, and that's made everyone very, very grumpy. So AGL feels like, mate, it's trying to make a move into some sort of new world for good or for ill, and if you believe or don't believe what they're trying to say, they're trying to do it for the right reasons. What do you reckon? AGL, is it a business you kind of can see making the leap from old-school fossil fuels to new-school renewables? Is there money left in old-school fossil fuels? How do you think about AGL?
1: You know, I actually... <laughs> Honestly, I don't think about AGL. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's just harsh. That's harsh. So uh, they say the opposite of love is not hate, mate. It's apathy. So you are you are literally apathetic towards AGL. Yeah,
1: like you know, like the market has got two thousand companies <laughs> that you know there are probably nineteen hundred companies in the yep. in in Australia. There are probably five thousand companies in the US. There's another probably 10,000 companies elsewhere. I don't think about every company. You
0: might be missing the best investment in
1: the US, and so that's okay. That's fine. I mean, I mean you so know, so I
0: mean, why don't you why don't you think about AGL? Well, that's a, like that's
1: it's what it's about. it's it's yeah. So it's a utility, right? Yeah. Utilities are slow-moving, mm-hmm. dividend-paying. They they're not multi-baggers. They
0: don't they don't they do not strike me as your sort of company,
1: mate. No. <laughs> so, so so I I want companies that are going to deliver me. My, yep. my starting point is I want a ten x right or a five x. Yep. And you know a minimum five x is my starting point. And it's it's not I don't sell them when they're no longer not going to deliver me that after right. I've held them for five years. That I don't do. Okay, right. So I'm I'm yep, happy yep. to. I want to buy companies early.
0: You want a fast start.
1: I want to fast. I want to buy them early. I want to hold them through maturity. Uh, like, you know, as they become you know mature, stable, as they become an AGL. Yeah, right. Hopefully not completely like AGL. <laughs> but, um, but you know, a like good, when a good AGL. Yeah, and a, a good version <laughs> of AGL. AGL might be fine. I have no idea yeah, yeah. what AGL does. Yeah. Um Like I know what it does, yeah. but I don't that's know true. what. Like I don't know its balance sheet or yeah, its yeah. earnings. So that's that's my idea. You know, buy them early, hold them through growth, Makes and sense. then there's going to be a point at which the company is going <laughs> to deliver. Like you know high teens you know s- revenue growth and maybe earnings a little bit faster even like you know high single digits that's okay <laughs> as long as i've got them early and then i'm going to hold on to myself so, you know basically I'm, I'm just deferring paying my taxes and, <laughs> and
0: uh, that's always good
1: and yeah uh, well uh, it's not good for the ta- uh, you know but i think it's good for the, it's good it good good money management you also get the compounding really uh, you know it is something yeah. that has gone up 4x when it goes it even doubles it's now in 8x right All that's right, a lot of right,
0: money right, yeah Right. Yeah. And, that, so. that's, and that's the other thing right see the, the old line is you know what's something that's fallen 90% something that fell 80% and then halved from there so it's always possible to halve wherever you are on the flip side as you say if something doubles that's that's fantastic but if you've already made 4 or 5x on it that turns your return into an 8 to 10x I mean those you know a double from a, a double from a, yeah, again it's, it, the value of compounding really it's very clear think, just think about that for a second like I don't want to yeah. overplay this but think very clearly listeners, about that if you have a company that doubles you, we'll all take a the doubles but double from already a four x, yeah. Then you're straight up from four to eight x. Your money really starts working. The faster that continue, and that's I mean, it's compounding in general, right? In yeah. any, even slow compounding, the last double was where you make all your money. Um, if you start with you know ten thousand dollars, end up with a million. The last double from half a million to a million is where you make all your money. Yeah. But if, as you say, doc, in shorter periods of time or with individual companies. That can really work in your favor.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it you know people will say that you know like you 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 had half a million dollars you could have sold and then you could have reinvested elsewhere and yep. then it grown at a faster rate. It's all possible, uh, but yep. you know like I mean there's a there's a lot of counterfactual. There, there are a lot of other issues that you need to consider, right? Yeah. You'd 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 pay tax on the five hundred, you know, the half a million that you've got, and then you have to find all the right investment that's going to grow at a faster rate. Maybe you only get to a million <laughs> million and uh, point something. Is it worth all that effort, right? I mean, there's there's a the proportionality effort. You know, when the, you know, a yeah. good thing, I just let the good thing be. So, I mean, you know, generally it kind of works. Sometimes it doesn't,
0: but yeah, yeah, nice one. I like it, mate. Speaking, of which is probably a very good time for me to remind our listeners, they can get some of your hopefully four, five, eight, or ten x potential opportunities if they join Motley Fool Extreme Opportunities. Now, it's a service you run with Kevin and you're looking for the big winners of tomorrow. Now, not every company is going to win and it's important to say you don't expect your portfolio to 10X. You're buying companies with hopes that some, maybe hopefully many, but certainly some will 10X and more than make up for those that don't go up quite as fast or maybe even some that go down because that's the sort of investing that you're doing. You're looking for High return opportunities that overall, despite some of the occasional losers, will do very, very nicely and show the market a clean pair of heels. I'm pretty pleased for our members and for our business, but mostly for our members, to say that you, you and Kevin are actually doing that right now. Your, your results are excellent, and I expect fully expect in time they will get lots better. If you want to be part of that, if you want to join Doc, and I think you should, and Kevin, at Motley Fool Extreme Opportunities, you've got a chance to do that by going to fool.com.au forward slash e I podcast you get a pretty good deal say it with me cheaper than a cup of coffee a week and you can join those guys as they search for the next big big winners on the asx and frankly why wouldn't you you should that wraps us up mate we're done but before we go our listeners should be reminded they should subscribe to the triple m motley full money podcast through itunes your favorite android podcast app or at the Podcast One app on either of the two platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please give us a rating. Five stars would be lovely. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. Write it in the sky. Tattoo it on your backside. No, don't don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't forget, you can get a dose of foolishness too and a little bit of marketing straight to your inbox by going to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Triple M. That's it for this week's Motley Fool Money. Oh, big announcement, mate. What is it? Mailbag. Ooh. Special. Special. Mailbag edition this Sunday. Regular. in for some Foolish Sunday Insight. full on. Full on. The Motley
1: Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation.
0: Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M.
1: The Motley Fool
0: operates under financial services licence 400691.